Welcome to Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway. I'm Walter Rudolph. In this hour, we'll highlight the Nova Chamber Music Series of Salt Lake City. It is Utah's oldest chamber music series, founded in 1977, and a recipient of the Utah Governor's Award for the Arts. The repertoire that you might hear at a Nova Chamber Music Series is varied, a bit like this program will be, with a mix of traditional classical music as well as more modern fare, and sometimes such newly commissioned works that the ink on the sheet music is still drying. The series features talented musicians from Utah and the occasional guest artist as well. World-renowned artists with important ties to Utah have appeared on the series, including the likes of William Primrose, Joseph Silverstein, and Utah Symphony Concertmasters over the years, William Preussel, Andres Cardenas, and Ralph Madsen. Nova's season includes six concerts at Libby Gardner Concert Hall with repeat performances at Snow College and Brigham Young University and the Nova Project, a concert series for children. Representing the series this hour and joining me in the studio are Jason Harding, Artistic Director of the Nova Chamber Music Series, Baritone Michael Chipman, Assistant Professor of Voice at Westminster College and Head of the Vocal Program there too, and Barlow Bradford, Artistic Director and Conductor of the Utah Chamber Artists, who will be the piano part of the duo for some leader by Johannes Brahms. We'll visit with them throughout the hour, but let's get into some music right away. Here's Jason Hardink with the A minor intermezzo and the A major intermezzo, numbers one and two from opus 118 by Johannes Brahms.
Jason Hardick is the artistic director of Nova Chamber Music Series and also the principal keyboard artist for Utah Symphony. And he's just played the Intermezzo in A minor and the Intermezzo in A major, Opus 118, numbers one and two of Johannes Brahms. Jason, those titles can be a little formidable in just getting to know you. Uh, and yet I know that you've done a great deal of hard work and learned to discipline yourself so that you could earn those titles. But we want to get to know a bit more of Jason Harding, the person who probably ties his shoes with both hands and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You are a family man. You're married to a very talented pianist, and you have a couple children, I believe. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the children. Are they into music? And uh, perhaps you can remember what you were doing when you were their age. Definitely not. They're 18 months old, so... <laughs> So we have twin boys, fraternal twins. Um, so, I, yeah, I have no idea what I was like at 18 months old. But, um, yeah, they really respond to music. I mean, watching kids grow up this young, uh, it teaches you a lot about human development. I mean, you, you turn on some music and they dance. I didn't know that dance was something that was innately human, that, that, that a baby would, would, would be doing before they're taught it. It's not cultural. It's somewhere in there biologically. So it's, yes, they love music. And they provide you a great deal of pleasure, I can tell. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I understand that you and your wife have a deal that you don't share repertoire. Mm-hmm. Well, we break that rule sometimes. You want me to explain? <laughs> sure. 
Okay, so we're both pianists, and we have a lot of the same interests, but the piano repertoire is huge. It's the best repertoire of any instrument, really. So we try, even though we like the same composers, we really try to, you know, she learns the Schubert C minor sonata, then we say, that's Kimmy's piece, don't touch. You can learn, you know, any of the other 18 sonatas, but not that one, you know. So sometimes... Inevitably, after years, uh, we find that a, a piece comes up for grabs, and then the other person will play it. And, but we try not to. We try not to. We, you know, we play. Um, uh, we do a lot of chamber music together. Actually, we play two piano repertoire and four hands. So we definitely there's a lot of collaboration that happens musically between us. But we don't want any competition by playing the same music. You've never resorted to drawing straws. No. Over a particular piece. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to move on with a bit more music and uh, more music of Johannes Brahms. A couple songs this time, baritone Michael Chipman and pianist Barlow Bradford will present, first of all, Ach, wende diesen Blick, Turn Your Face Away From Me, a song of pain over a lost love, and then second, Die Meinacht, one of Brahms' most famous songs, and another song of love lost, remembered during a walk in a May night. Ach, wende diesen Blick, wende dies Angesicht, das innere Meer mit ewig neuer Glut, mit ewig neuem Arm erfüllen nicht, mit ewig neuem
Die Weihnacht of Johannes Brahms, preceded by Ach Wende Diesen Blick, sung by Michael Chipman with Barlow Bradford at the piano. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. You're listening to Highway 89 on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Walter Rudolph. Now, Michael, you're an assistant professor of voice and a head of the vocal program at Westminster College in Salt Lake City, and I see you're teaching the Art Song Literature Survey class. That's right. As well, which meshes, I'll bet, two of your favorite things, music and poetry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, actually, I was an English literature major as an undergraduate ah. and with a music minor and uh, studied lots of languages. And so the uh, love of poetry and literature and, and writing and, and great texts uh, fed right into my love of great music. And in fact, it was when I started hearing art song music that I just fell in love with the whole world of classical music. And that's what drew me to where I am today. And it's really where my heart is in the vocal literature. I think that's an interesting uh, draw. I mean, most people, I think, have a, a, a much different entry. Uh, opera, usually. Into, so. Well, it's opera if you're, if you're a singer. Uh, and it may be the more popular orchestral works in sure. general yeah. that, that uh, seduce people into this wonderful, wonderful world of classical music. I understand that you're also what we sometimes call a foodie. Uh, <laughs> That's Is that right. true? Yes, it's well, true. I, 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 let me ask you, uh, what's a favorite place of yours to eat in Salt Lake City? And, and if you go there... If I were to go there, what should I pick on the menu? Oh, that's a very easy question to answer. <laughs> I, uh, this is going to come as a surprise to you, or maybe it won't, but the best sushi that I've ever had anywhere in the country, in the world for that matter, is in Salt Lake City. And here's a shout-out to Takashi. It's uh, my favorite restaurant in Salt Lake City. Uh, amazing sushi, uh, flavors that you've never had before, and the, the chef there has won you know, dozens of awards. And the... Uh, uh, my favorite uh, a roll to order there is the sunshine roll. It has a little bit of lemon in it, a little bit of fish. It's, uh, I, I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> now, now, I want to get back to your class here just very briefly because I know that 
college students frequently come up with some pretty surprising and fascinating comments. <laughs> and perhaps you've had a conversation that uh, I can prompt that way and you might want to share it with us. Well, yeah, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago we had an, uh, a, a conversation about Charles Ives. And uh, the students actually got in kind of a heated conversation about whether or not Charles Ives was a great art song composer. And uh, to my shock and amazement and delight, they came down on the side of Charles Ives being a great composer. I mean, it wasn't unanimous, but uh, the students, uh, they discover this music and they get excited about it. And they, they uh, have, their eyes and ears have been opened to a whole new world of music. And it's so fun to be the one who opens that door for them. It's really exciting. And the great thing about it is it never ends. It never There's ends. always something I mean, else scratched, to discover. We've just scratched the surface. <laughs> Barlow, we're so happy to have you here tonight. Among your many contributions to music, uh, you are the pianist part of our art song duo in this program. And I wonder if perhaps you would give us your thoughts on performance of art songs in general in transposed keys. It's commonly done, but it is, is it a good idea? Done. And is it generally successful? As long as it fits my hand, it's fine with me. How's that? <laughs> Do you know, this is a conversation that actually Mike and I have had many times. And uh, having dabbled in composition a little bit in my life, I, I know that one thing that is important to me is what key am I writing in? Because uh, certain moods require a certain key for the color and the sound. And I have to assume that these composers have done the same thing with their art songs. And yet the other side of that argument is there is a, a whole set of fantastic singers that would not be able to sing these pieces if they were not being transposed in the various keys. And I think that that probably wins out, that final argument. Thank you. Let's, let's have some more music now. Uh, many don't know, if you know Arnold Schoenberg, that his early music was very much in a romantic, post-romantic flavor. Jason Hardink plays from Schoenberg's Klavierstück from the year 1894, the Andantino.
the Klavierstück from 1894 of Arnold Schoenberg, the Andantino. Now, while uh, Jason and Barlow trade places at the Classical 89 Steinway, we're going to have two more songs of Johannes Brahms with Michael Chipman. The first, O Kühler Wald, O Cool Forest, and then Meine Liebe ist Grün, which is a love song full of joy for the awakening of love. If any of you are intoxicated by the glorious odor of spring lilacs, then this is your song. Listen for the Fliederbusch, the lilac bush. Singen der Nachtigall, 
We've heard O Kühlerwald and just now Meine Liebe ist Grün, both of Johannes Brahms, performed by Michael Chipman, baritone, Barlow Bradford at the piano. Jason Hardink now is going to play for us some more music of Arnold Schoenberg, this time from Opus 11, the very first in that opus, which clearly demonstrates the composer's advance toward atonality.
From the Opus 11 Klavierstück of Arnold Schoenberg, the first in that opus, performed by Jason Harding. We remind you, Jason is the artistic director of the Nova Chamber Music Series in Salt Lake City and also fills the position of the principal keyboard artist for Utah Symphony. Jason, I'm, I'm really fascinated with your approach to repertoire for the piano. Would you just clue us into this a little bit as you lead us into the realm of contemporary music? Um, sure. Well, what do you want to know? What, what drives you this direction? Oh, well, um, to me, uh, modern music draws on the rich legacy of, of, of the 19th century and earlier. Um, so I hear uh, more connections with, with older music than, than, uh, uh, than necessarily revolution. I mean, I play that, that Schoenberg that I just played and uh, filled with this kind of longing and angst. And I hear those, those same emotions in Brahms. It's just, I, the, the music feels very close to me. And, and that's what Schoenberg wanted. I mean, that's how he, how he felt his music went forward. Definitely. And, you know, 50 years, uh, later, 50 years after this piece was written, uh, by then Schoenberg was actually thought of as a kind of romantic composer, that this mm -hmm. music was not modern enough, in fact. Well, so we're going to go forward a little bit more then. Might as well. So tell us about uh, prepared piano and extended piano techniques. Sure. Uh, well, prepared piano, extended piano... Um, uh, just terms, uh, really general loose terms to try to explain what happens once you manipulate sound by doing something inside the piano. If you mute a string, uh, you know, with a finger and then play it on the keys, you have a very different sound. And, and um, uh, there's just this amazing universe of color available to us by uh, m manipulating sounds from the piano and... and, and uh, doing different things inside the piano. When you say manipulate, what do you mean? Yes. Uh, like, for instance, the next piece I'm going to play, uh, the first section of the piece has a cloth that's inserted uh, between one of the braces and the strings. So actually, there's a group of middle notes in the piano that are muted by this cloth. Um, so you, ha you have this very different sound uh, coming from the instrument. So that's, that's what I'm saying, is that, that, that the cloth, in a sense, manipulates the sound that comes out of the instrument then. But a prepared so. piano can really be quite a bit more dramatic oh, certainly. than that. I mean, certainly. tell us some of the other things that might be done to a piano. Well, for instance, my wife, uh, Kimi Kawashima, played the John Cage sonatas and interludes last night for prepared piano at Westminster, in fact, Westminster College. And that piece has very extensive preparations. You have uh, screws that are, that are uh, screwed in in between strings that, that, that yield a very, an array of possible sounds depending on where you put the screw. And they're all, you have to be very careful about the way you do this stuff because you can damage the piano. And, um, and that piece has rubber and plastic and screws and bolts and all, all kinds of stuff that goes in the piano. So... In the one that you're playing, we're going to we're going to be really quite tame. Yes, and very I, much. I, I think I want to tell everybody <laughs> right now that if you go to YouTube, there's a performance of this with you doing it in from Houston. I think. oh right right. And uh, I've I've always had this thought for this kind of music. Is it really important for a person to have this experience in the hall and see it, rather than just hear it? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's part of the joy of live music, right? Is 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 being there in person, hearing. Um, I was even thinking. I mean, it's great that we're we're playing this music on the radio, but actually, some of the effects are so subtle. Uh, you know, I find when I listen to classical music, I have this thing that always happens on the radio where I, where I turn the volume up and up, and the passage gets softer and softer. And then some huge thunderous effect comes crashing in, and my volume is maxed out, and there's this deafening sound. Um, and that will probably happen in this piece we're about to hear. <laughs> Thanks for preparing us. Sure. Well, our final work today on Highway 89 is for Prepared Piano, and it's entitled, And the Waves Sing Because They Are Moving. It's composed by Thomas Osborne. Now, we're, we're going to give a moment for Jason to uh, prepare this prepared piano. So if you hear a, a couple of notes and things as he's uh, moving forward with that, I think you'll, uh, you'll catch on to what's, what's going on with this. And I want to mention, too, on this, this performance that you can watch on YouTube from Houston that Jason did is, is this is a real performance, and it looks wonderful on your computer screen. Uh, go to large screen and really enjoy it. And notice that it also has lighting technique added to it along with. So it's, this is a really a complete package. And you're not going to get quite all of that in this moment, but you're going to get a live experience that I'm sure you're going to find very thrilling. So here we are, Jason Hardick now playing, And the Waves Sing Because They Are Moving by Thomas Osborne. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jason Harding. Stunning, stunning performance. The work and the waves sing because they are moving, composed by Thomas Osborne. That concludes another hour of Highway 89. This time we heard music by Thomas Osborne, Arnold Schoenberg, and Johannes Brahms. A special thank you to each of our guests, Jason Harding, Michael Chipman, and Barlow Bradford for coming and performing for us. Reminder, a reminder that the Nova Chamber Music Series that we represented tonight performs six concerts every year at Libby Gardner Concert Hall in Salt Lake City with repeat performances at Snow College and at Brigham Young University. They also have the Nova Project, which is a concert series for children. And to learn more about the Nova Chamber Music Series and up upcoming concerts, you can visit them online. It's one word, novachambermusicseries.org. We welcome your questions and comments about this program. Simply email us at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. The show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. And I'm Walter Rudolph. Thanks for listening.